0: Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you.
1: I'd like to thank several longtime listeners for their continuing questions and suggestions. It's timely, as we move through the third year of our bi-weekly podcast series, to highlight a few reminders of our overall mission. First of all, our podcasts are intended to filter out the highly repetitive so-called news cycle drumbeats to share with you the very small number of trends that are often underreported or not reported at all. There are no sponsors for our podcast, nor are there any requests for sponsors. UCLA and UCLA Extension maintain a focus on education, which ultimately means supporting you To make the best financial and lifestyle choices unique to you and your families. Secondly, our podcasts view the world through the lens of economic and financial decision-making. Decision-making that we have to make. Given the pathways that are selected by our politicians, government agencies, world central banks, and authoritarian leaders throughout the world, all of which ultimately impact us through interest rates money supply and inflation biased reporting and even potential wars as we know from recent experience military events not only surface new alignments of countries but also surface serious supply chain issues and supply chain vulnerabilities third it's pretty obvious that forewarned is forearmed but that being said no one knows the timing of events And even the events themselves take some time to evaluate. Our podcasts offer serious food for thought, in addition to presenting really important economic relationships to you. For our longtime listeners, you know that our podcasts presented an early heads up on our high interest rate environment, also our present recessionary environment, and even the substantial stock and bond market sell-offs occurring last year. Number four, we constantly sort through data to present you a highly distilled set of future scenarios based on underlying trends. Timing is always an issue, but so is recognition of changes in trends. For example, a change from Europe's war scenario to one of long-lasting peace would change many of our future expectations. Additionally, but somewhat unrelated, a change from U.S. government massive borrowing needs to a return of repayments on the national debt would change many of our expectations. We can imagine many scenarios where our analyses and expectations could change from current course, but in plain speak, we don't engage in fantasy storytelling. We leave that to others. Number five, so in total, our objective is to help you make plans. Given the coming together of a relatively small number of what I'd call megatrends. Ideally, we're helping you, our listeners, to gain the insights to prosper during both the so-called good times and bad times. Today, the focus is on financial market basics that will lead us in making decisions to enhance our careers and to continue to grow our finances. Despite all the issues that we see, pretty much all financial market research shows It's near impossible to successfully time market changes in the short term. But markets over the long term respond to changes in interest rates, money supply, credit risks, and cycles. And these trends are not easy, but they can be brought to the surface by being objective and vigilant. A relatively straightforward example is commercial real estate, which we've highlighted in recent podcasts. Let's start with the cycle as an example of commercial real estate. Large developers first see an opportunity when businesses are expanding and existing rental rates are increasing. It would be impolite to refer to herd behavior, but it's far more common to see many office high-rises starting close in time to each other for the up part of the cycle, and then low occupancy rates occurring after the initial new investments which predictably lead to foreclosures and increasing bad debts for banks. Commercial real estate space availability is never in balance. It's never perfect. It's either in short supply or it's overbuilt. Interest rates have cycles that respond to supply and demand for money. Low interest rates pump up demand for credit and normally increase consumption and purchases of real estate, cars, and so forth. High interest rates take away consumption by making it too expensive or unaffordable. Credit risks reflect too much borrowing. Buying a house dependent on a two-income family assumes both will keep their jobs and keep or increase their job incomes. The same is true of commercial real estate. Building or buying an office building assumes many future years of high occupancy and rent increases to cover the expected higher operating costs like maintenance, property tax, utility bills, and so forth. But above and beyond, a borrowed dollar for a mortgage, for example, has to be repaid or it becomes bad debt. So knowing where we are in each specific cycle is really most helpful as an investor and also someone who's preparing for a long-term career. Most of the days, weeks, and years that we live have a high degree of predictability. In other words, tomorrow's income and expenses will be about the same as today's, next week will be similar to this week, and so on. For a global impacting example, we have to look no further than the past several days to see what breaks up the predictability. The head of Russia's large paramilitary force Wagner or Wagner as you choose, led a substantial number of troops away from the Ukraine toward Moscow. For a few days out of nowhere, a threat to Russia's stability, and therefore global stability, became the latest black swan event. As of this podcast recording, Sunday, June 25th, it appears that the Wagner leader was less interested in challenging Putin for total leadership and more interested in capturing Putin's attention with respect to overall Russian military leadership and long-term support for Wagner's forces. What happens next? No one knows. But the fact that Russia invaded the Ukraine and that the NATO countries support Ukraine is a big red flag, uh, no pun intended. We don't know the next step, but we do know that Russia as the world's largest nuclear power in terms of numbers of bombs and missiles won't back quietly into the night and could implement some desperate measures with or without China's support. One trend, at least to me, is clear, and that is the world, unfortunately, is becoming more polarized than ever, and that polarization surfaces more and more in terms of financial as well as political and humanity risks. A small number of days in stair-step type of styles, both up and down, change the predictability day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and even year-to-year. Unfortunately, we can't really recognize those days in time to alter any of our actions and commitments, but we can recognize cycles and key trends if we really pay attention. Today, I'm going to challenge you to think about what's changing in terms of the big picture, as it will impact your future career plans and your investment outcomes. This is not an attempt to time markets but it is an effort to identify upcoming changes given what has already transpired this year as well as 2022. Let's start with some mathematical certainties. When interest rates are in an uptrend, today's value of future earnings is in a downtrend. Let me repeat that. When interest rates are in an uptrend, today's value of future earnings is in a downtrend. A good example is long-term bonds. If you own a bond you bought when interest rates were low, like almost any year in the past decade, and also including the year 2021. If you look at your brokerage statement, your bond today is worth a lot less because market interest rates have significantly increased. If you sell your bond today, you'll have a large loss, and the loss will be larger in direct relationship to the increasing term of the bond. A 30 year bond bought only a few years ago is likely worth 20 or 30 percent less today, and I call that a large loss. The same thing is true if you bought an office building during the past decade. The future rental income now, again, the future income, is worth a lot less, and why? Because interest rates have increased. Of course, due to COVID, a building owner will take another financial hit because occupancy rates are dropping and the old assumption of future rents going up year after year no longer apply. So there's one loss due to the higher interest rates, and that's a present value of your investment loss. Think of the bond example. And there's another loss, which is compounding that first loss, but that's due to lower and lower rental income projections. The stock and bond markets are still lagging our big interest rate increases this year and part of last year. These increases on their own argue for a 10 to 20 percent lower stock and bond price. It just hasn't happened yet. Today, you're getting a heads up. Just like We gave well over a year ago the first heads up on what occurred uh, being a 20% or so stock market decline and also a big bond market sell-off. I think we well prepared you for that scenario. Get ready for another scenario not so dissimilar. When the marketplace adjusts to these higher for longer interest rates, you'll be way ahead to have less money invested in stocks and bonds. Yes, it hasn't happened. Yet. Please don't forget or ignore the fact that higher interest rates on their own lessen the value of future incomes and cash flows in today's present value. You don't need to forecast a recession. Just expect a financial marketplace adjustment that, when it comes, may come very quickly. Market prices seem to go down much faster than they go up. At least that's my own observation over the years. So, highly overvalued long-duration financial assets like real estate, like stocks, like bonds are setting up to have a short but deadly period of a sell-off and that's due to the rising cost of capital. Secondly, you can expect a booming secular demand for commodities in the industrial countries versus what is transpiring and evolving into supply deficits. A part of these supply deficits are due to realignments uh, or a bipolarization in countries such as Russia, China, India, and others aligning more in one block and the United States, United Kingdom, Western Europe in another block, with the oil countries somewhat undecided but seemingly biased toward the China- India, Russia block for a whole bunch of obvious reasons having to do with commonality of needs and supplies of crude oil and natural gas. Given all the economic issues covered since we began our podcast almost three years ago, and the evolving international challenges, what opportunities exist for investing? I'll give you an idea that considers all the above that I bet you haven't heard read in the media, but I'm going to do that in the next podcast. So I'm going to tease you a little bit. First, I want to highlight again, and so you keep in mind where we are now with regard to historically high stock prices and the high official inflation, which I argue understates real inflation quite substantially. For example, now we are facing a trifecta of macro imbalances. For the first time in history, the United States is experiencing a confluence of three macro extremes. U.S. government as debt as a percent of gross domestic product is at an all-time high, and this covers all the war years. This goes back through all the 1900 years. The U.S. government has now a record debt versus the gross domestic product of the country. That's number one out of three. Number two, Standard & Poor's 500 cyclically adjusted price-earnings ratio is at a record high. And this is higher than the dot-com bust, it's higher than prior periods, all during the 1900s. The U.S. Consumer Price Index, year-to-year change, is near an all-time historical high, despite all the news of fighting inflation and returning the country to 2% uh, annual inflation. So take all three. United States government debt to gross domestic product, all-time high. Standard & Poor's 500 price-earnings ratios, all-time high u.s consumer price increases nearing an all-time high that's the trifecta of macro imbalances additionally keep in mind that since 1900 there have been only five decades that the total real return for U.S. stocks was negative. In fact, they were all deeply negative when they were negative in those five decades. Three of these periods happened during the inflationary eras. The other two occurred at a time when valuations of U.S. equity markets started from historic levels. Today, we have both factors in play. Consider that valuations for the top 10 mega cap tech stocks are still higher today their counterparts were at the peak just before the year 2000 tech bubble. A recession is still pending based on official proclamation by the National Bureau of Economic Research. But I have argued that we have been in a recession, we will be declared even in an official recession soon, and as you know the reason I declare that we have been in a recession has to do with the reporting of the consumer price index. Consumer prices are, in my view, grossly underreported in terms of the increases we've seen in the past decade and the past year and the past two years. As I've mentioned in prior podcasts, there are hedonic adjustments, which the Bureau of Labor Statistics and Department of Commerce and other departments work together to really mitigate price increases. A constant market basket. Of goods and services maintained by private research services, as I've indicated in prior podcasts, shows that actual inflation is running at least twice the inflation rate reported. So if we are reporting a 5% inflation officially, probably more like 10%. And I'm sure many of you, based upon the money that you spend day-to-day, week-to-week in your in your daily, daily, weekly lives, have seen this. And you're correct. It is happening that way. But the tech bubble was really reached last year, but we did have a decline, and we've had a rebound. But the rebound itself is far higher, a far higher level than just before the dot-com bust in 2000. We're vulnerable. The market is vulnerable. Again, I don't know the timing, but I can recognize vulnerability. Additionally, the yield curve inversion is now higher than it was a couple of years ago, which normally signals an upcoming recession. The percentage of inversions in the Treasury yield curve has breached the critical 70% level. And research shows that every breach of this threshold in the history of the data back to 1970 has led to a near-term recession. This occurred back in 2019, and in my view, as I've indicated, we have gone into a recession, but officially we're not. And now we have surpassed, very recently, the yield curve inversion that occurred back in 2020. We're facing a higher yield curve inversion. And all of the inversions before that reached over 70% inversion have resulted in recessions, official recessions. Let's switch gears a little bit. I want to bring your attention to an important international trend that almost no one is reporting on. Foreign central banks are moving away from the dollar and into gold. China is a consistent seller and has been for several years of U.S. dollars. This year, as well as last year, many other countries are replacing their dollar reserves with gold reserves. Russia completed this transaction totally over the past two or so years. The countries recently reporting the largest purchases in the first couple of months of this year were Singapore buying 51 tons of gold, Turkey 45 tons, China 40 tons, Russia, 31 tons, and India, 3 tons. Countries in the Middle East and North Africa that are buying gold are also buying gold at the fastest rates. Mauritania, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates all more than tripled their gold reserves from 2017 to now, while Oman increased its once meager gold supply more than one hundredfold countries have also made significant changes to the composition of their central bank holdings with upper and middle income countries in central asia and latin america effectively doubling down on their gold positions in pakistan Kazakhstan, turkey lebanon and venezuela gold is a share of nat- central bank holdings increased by more than 15 percentage points from 2017 to now, while even in Bolivia, gold as a percentage of central bank holdings increased by a world-leading 49%. Overall, around the world, globally, as I mentioned, gold as a share of total central reserve holdings has increased from 97 to almost 13% in the past 5 to 6 years. The important point is the dollar share in global reserves has fallen from 73% of global reserves in the past two decades to 58% today. That's according to the Royal Bank of Canada. The trend toward de-dollarization is compounded by the BRICS alliance, and that's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa among some of the oil producing countries. And as I mentioned several podcasts ago, they are meeting in South Africa this August, so in about a month, to unveil plans for a reserve asset that's intended to rival the dollar. Additionally, the Western response to Russia's invasion of the Ukraine last year included banning Russia from the swift international payment system. And aside from causing chills around the world, fearing that politically the U.S. would exert control over the international payment system, many feared that this would be long-term weaponization of the dollar, which goes hand-in-hand with sanctions that have been imposed, particularly to Russia. So overall, there is... Definitely a trend toward de-dollarization. There's definitely a trend toward bipolarization of the world. It's not going to happen immediately. I don't anticipate a total replacement of the dollar as a reserve currency. I don't think that's going to happen. I do think, based upon what I've summarized, that there will be a strong trend for de-dollarization. It may take 10 or 20 years for it to play out, but it doesn't have to play out completely. It just has to begin having impact in the foreign exchange markets, which I think we're beginning to see. In the next podcast, as I promised, we'll explore potential investment pathways that are intended to help you protect and enhance your family's financial security. In brief, given all the economic, financial, and global political risks, what investment categories should I consider for the balance of this year and into 2024? Well, here's a hint. There are investments that could do quite well in an environment of high interest rates, supply chain issues and supply chain rebuilding as well as the move to more of a bipolarized world. I also include a continuing trend of money supply creation that's going to be required to finance growing national debts. And in the next podcast I'll get into more specifically how much of the US national debt Has to be refinanced over the next one to two years, I think you're going to find this staggering. And importantly, I mention this because of the impact it's going to have on interest rates by having to refinance this amount of debt in an environment where the Federal Reserve is also selling some of the debt they've purchased over the past several years, and also in an environment where the Federal Reserve has been continuing to raise interest rates without this huge amount of debt hitting the market. So again, we have a lot of major trends that are going to be recognizable starting Really soon, that will have an impact on what you pay for a mortgage, what companies can and can't afford to do in terms of servicing their debt, the additional impact on commercial real estate, the follow-on impact on banks, and so forth. So, it's pretty complicated, but one by one, we will parse and highlight issues as we see them to help you. Thank you. Be careful. Be cautious about new debt. Be conservative financially for the next little while.
0: Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director, Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.